You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Here for the Truth. I'm Joel Rafidi. As always, I'm with my co-host, Erasmus Stylianessis. Um, to our patrons, thank you so much for your ongoing support. We really appreciate it. It's what allows us to keep doing what we do. Um, to the public, I hope you enjoy the first half of this episode. And we've got a very interesting and special guest today. We've got Robert Michael. Now, a little bit about Robert. Robert Michael worked as a carpenter and musician for the first half of his career until waking to his true purpose and calling as a freedom and spiritual educator in 2009. The 2009 housing market crash resulted in his parents losing their home and business. This experience was the catalyst that led Robert down the deep rabbit hole to unwind the inner workings and operations of our governments, banking systems, and legal systems. Through years of intense research and application of law and history, he has proved and debunked conspiracy theories, assisted private individuals across a multitude of issues, and created a process for freedom that is predicated on peace, honor, dignity, and respect in all aspects of this secular illusion. Robert works undaunted, balancing the scales of truth and justice for the awakened. As his courageous efforts continue, a path to true freedom is carved, so new holistic governance structures can safely evolve into a world for the best and highest of all. That is beautifully written and very intriguing. I'm looking forward to diving deep into this one with you. We share actually a bit of a, a, a similar story in some regards. Um, my parents and family experienced a massive upheaval during the 2008 um, global recession. Um, mm. And uh, there, there, was, there was a big turnaround, which was a big catalyst for me as well. Um, so Robert, welcome to Here for the Truth. Um, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, guys. I really appreciate it. No, yeah, absolutely. Dude. It's good to have you here, dude. Awesome. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, well, let, let, let's right, let's get right into it. Um, so let's let's talk about your your early awakening. Um, what actually went on for you? How the illusion started shifting and the veil started shaking a bit for you to get that little peek behind the curtain. All right, man. I'm going to try to do the best I can here. I spoke for nine hours at my seminar, so I'm going to have to whittle this down, okay? Because oh. <laughs> I can go. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the 2008 bubble burst, my mother and father started looking into actually my mom is like, this isn't right. How does this happen? Good American family. They don't have uh, any degrees, had never been to college or anything. They're just good, hardworking people. Um, they treated everybody well. You know, they, they welcomed people in their home, just good people. And this was like the third time that they were looking at bankruptcy and everything. And they're like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. How does this happen? Right. So my mom goes on the Internet. Of course, she starts seeing all kinds of conspiracy theories about the government and this thing called a straw man and all this stuff so she starts diving down the rabbit hole and i'm like whoa you know you guys are going way too far you've lost your mind you know my dad's the hardest working man i've ever known he was like i'm done working i'm never picking up a hammer again i'm done we, we constantly get screwed by these governments and stuff and i was like whoa that's not my dad man my dad has been like knocked down so many times it got right back up and just kept on rolling you know so i got really upset with them and and we kind of didn't talk for a little while i mean and when we did it was real just i was like don't tell me about that stuff man it's conspiracy theory stuff so then one day my mom was like look you know uh, i just just having a conversation with her i was married had a kid i was fat <laughs> believe it or not i was way overweight uh stressed out 
unhappy, you know, not not really uh, living life the way that I feel I, I should have been, right? Not to its fullest, that's for sure. Completely stressed, contractor, had 500 jobs going on at the same time, never had any time for my son, for my family. It was just all bull, you know? So yeah. one day I was sitting on the couch and my mom was like, do you ever see the line on the bottom of your check? You know, and, and I was like, uh, yeah, sure, mom. She's like, well, that's not a line. That's a series of words. And I was like, oh, is it really? She's like, yeah, get a magnifying glass. So I got a magnifying glass and I looked and sure enough on all your checks, it is a series of words. It says authorized signature over and over and over. It looks like a line. It's called microprint. Well, to me, I was like, okay, well, that begs the question. That could easily be a deterrent for someone that's trying to sign your check unlawfully, but why wouldn't they make it bigger? Why wouldn't they want the person who's trying to commit fraud to see that, right? So I was like, there's something else here, I think. I think my mom is talking about some stuff that might make sense. So I dove in and just started researching everything she started giving me. And I started to realize, like, I had this urge around 2008 that I wanted to participate in somehow like voting or something like that. But I just didn't feel right about voting. I'm like, something just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So then I started, after I started researching this stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, well, no wonder that doesn't even matter. Like that just makes you more of a slave because you're just becoming a shareholder into the big conglomerate that's called the country, the government, right? So that's where I got started. And I just kept going further and further. And then I got just really, really good at it. Man, I found this passion that it took over music. I was I stopped playing music and my passion became research, you know, history, law. But then it came a time where I had to actually put it into into practice, you know, to test. Oh, is this really true? Does this work? Is this just theory? You know, so and and I didn't want to take all these conspiracy theories off the internet. I wanted to take them and dig deep and find where is it that what this man or woman is actually saying has some merit to it. Where is mm. it? I want to see it in the records, the law books, the history books. I don't just want to hear what they're saying and assume things. Then I started realizing how important interpretation is because we hear all these things. I see people on the internet all day posting all this stuff. And I'm like, that's completely the wrong interpretation of that court case, of that law, of that, you know, you're, you're interpreting it completely wrong. And if you try to use it, you're going to get hurt. So I try to steer people in the right direction uh, with the interpretations and stuff. But in short, that's how I got started. Awesome, man. So what, what are the, the biggest fallacies that you found with most of these conspiracies that are propagated that you feel like the interpretation has been incorrect upon what are the what are the key ones that you've come across <laughs> well one of the one that gets one of the ones that gets everybody uh riled up is and this is going to be controversial for those people watching this but yeah, for the you truth, know that the, the united states is a corporation i have right. guys that i work with behind the scenes a team of guys that are phenomenal that have gotten access to their quote unquote Suskie accounts and all, and they will never come out in the public. You'll never see them on YouTube. You'll never see them anywhere. And this team of guys even argues with me about it, but I'm sorry. I'm like, there's no founded proof for that. Okay. It's not a corporation. It's a trust. And I've, I mean, People have given me all the usual stuff they find on the internet, you know, oh, under, you know, 15 USC, 3002 A or A15, sorry, it's, um, it's not actually 15 USC, I forget what it is, but it's, okay. anyway, I'm like, that's completely wrong, that's misinterpreted, then they'll show me like filings of where the United States filed its corporate documents, I've debunked all of those, I'm like, no, 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 it's very easy to debunk, you just have to look at how filings actually work, okay, so, 
but that doesn't mean they don't function in a commercial corporate capacity. Mm -hmm. So it's really doesn't change anything that, you know, if you, if you're on that track, right. And you believe that these entities function as corporations, it doesn't change how they actually function, <clears throat> except for me, it changes how I address them because I address them as a trust. And when I address them as a trust, they follow it. All right. When you address them as a corporation, they don't give a crap what you say half the time. They'll just brush it right aside because yeah. you're giving them a way out. You're giving them the corporate veil to hide behind. When you address them as a trust, there is no corporate veil. That's called a ministerial duty. When you're a trustee, that's a ministerial duty, meaning they have to listen to the higher authority, which is the beneficiary, which is me, or the grantor, which is me. So it puts the whole thing into a different perspective. It makes you much more powerful. And again, we all know, well, not all of us, but many of us know this is about language. So when I found that, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's telling me it's corporations, it's corporate, and I can easily knock this out of how it's not, you know? So that's one um, misconception. Another yeah. misconception is like you set up a PMA or private member association and, and a 508C1A trust and you're hands off by the government. It's like, no, 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 that's not how it works at all. I've, actually, we're helping defend a few PMAs right now that are getting attacked. It's not government hands off. It's not tax-free if you don't, follow the if you don't have the proper structure and you don't follow the proper procedure and you don't read these court cases on how the government actually looks at these things you're way off the mark and you're probably going to get hurt somewhere so i just try to help people understand look here's how these things really work and how it's been shown to me that they are the most protective and that when the government does come knocking it's easy to push them off because things are set up and functioning properly so those are just a few examples hmm very interesting, man. Um, so on the most basic level for our listeners, what is the relationship between us and the government and what are the most basic tactics in which the government tries to, I guess, control or enslave us on some level? Okay, so basic principles are everyone's a debtor. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Um, everyone's a debtor and everyone is under military law. Right. People say, well, you know, we're going to be under martial law. You've been under martial law. That hasn't changed in well over probably 200 years or close to it. Um, everybody's in commercial. So commercial law, military law and uh, debtor status. Right. And that starts at birth and all that, like what you see with the COVID stuff right now, that's all just debt collection. And we do not have a health freedom problem. We have a financial problem. We mm -hmm. have you know, that's really what's going on. It's debt collection because they have registered you as a debtor and then they gave you a benefit that you took. And as you use that benefit called Social Security, every time you give that number out, every time you register to vote, every time you sign one of these agreements with them, they have jurisdiction because you're giving it to them every single time you keep giving them jurisdiction by taking this title of your name. So what happened was they gave your name over, your parents gave your name over, which name rights these are property under property law okay so when you give property over to the state and it's registered with them they have a whole list of of contracts and and terms and conditions that you must follow they're called codes and statutes and there's usually about eight million of them right mm -hmm. which is why they say ignorance is no excuse for the law well if it's no excuse for the law then how the hell am i supposed to memorize you know mm -hmm. no eight million codes and statutes so that shows you that it's not really the law that's the policy you agreed to be under by having that debtor certificate, which is that registration of birth and birth certificate. Okay, so every we, we know for a fact that every man and woman has 17.4 million in an account. That's a fact, 
Okay. And that's a fact that's been proven because we are together with a team that uh, are actually some knights in, in the UK. Um, and they pull these bonds and everything. So we know what they look like. We know what they are. And um, that's really the crux of the matter is everyone is functioning like a debtor under this system. But but the difference is the whole smoke and mirrors is you're actually the creditor. And when you can flip that whole thing around and get back in a creditor position, everything changes. It's like hands off and anything they do becomes a charge against them. So any charge they try to charge me with becomes reversed and it's a charge against them. And they don't like that because then they have to pay their taxes on it. And they don't like that either. Yeah. So how does someone become go from being a debtor to being a creditor? It is a very long uh well, it's a long, intricate process that I can't disclose in the public. Gotcha. Okay, that's why, because the guys that are doing this and, and that we're teamed up with, they, the one guy's been shot twice. He's been ran off the road, flung through the window. Men in black have shown up, you know, and they're like, no public, no pub. We will allow you to do this and teach people as long as it's private, no holiday in seminars, nothing like yeah. that. So what I do is I try to bring people in, right? And I bring them behind the private wall at the house of Marcus. And I try to bring them in, in the, I try to step out in the public and just walk that fine line of, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I can only tell you that it exists. And if you want to know more, you come behind the private wall. So we're just getting set up now to where we can start milling people through, but it has to do with depositing, you know, your birth bond and everything back into the treasury and all that stuff. Um, finding out your QCIP number on your birth certificate so you can trace, you know, the bonds and all the money made off it. It's pretty intricate, uh, but it can be done and it has been done. Now we just have to figure out how we're going to streamline it and keep it private. So yeah. that they can't shut us down. So, oh, sorry. No, you go, you go. So from your from your research and your analysis, what is the history of this system? How did it come into place? How far have you gone is, is in terms of who's behind it and who put it there and where did it come from? Yeah, well, the system is thousands of years old. Uh, the slave system just goes back, you know, they've revamped it many times. And yeah. then certain players have come in to try to, you know, orchestrate it and be the slave master. But it, currently speaking, I mean, we're dealing with the Khazarian mafia. Um, huge. If you don't know anything about the Khazarian mafia, I would suggest that everybody research that. Uh, they have infiltrated, there are a bunch of robbers and thieves, uh, Satanists that have infiltrated, uh, you know, these systems. Um, they've infiltrated the royal families. They've infiltrated the banking industry, which is your Rothschilds and Rockefellers and things like that. Okay, so they're the ones who are doing all the satanic stuff for the most part. Um, and that is essentially who is controlling all of all of the money and everything, right? You've got your central bankers, the Rothschilds pretty much uh, control all that. The Vatican, their players, China, um, they've pretty much infiltrated just about every government, okay? So, and they are, they're not very nice people, you know, um, and they want to see the rest of us pretty much be their slaves forever. And that's what they're attempting to do. Now, what they're doing right now with COVID wasn't supposed to happen until, like another 10 years. But since everybody's waking up so fast and they've been cut off from what I've been told, they've been cut off um, you know, from the spiritual plane, so to speak, that they're not allowed to do this. So they are hurrying up and trying to push everything. And that's why we're seeing these constant you know, mandate after mandate. And it's like, it's, it's moving faster and faster because they're scrambling to try to keep the creditors from coming back and discrediting them and pushing them out. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it, it seemed very rushed even from the beginning. It, it seemed like it was a scramble. It didn't seem very well designed or orchestrated. It just seemed like out of the blue. And all of a sudden, we were now in this 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 weird period of, of whatever we, we, we're still um, countering. So just from my perspective, it, it certainly never felt like it was really well designed or orchestrated in the first place. And I mean, for the most part, obviously, we all mentioned this. But as a result of that, I mean, what we would call a fumble, it seems as though it's actually accelerated the awakening on, on some level, right? It has. Yeah. That's what I love about it because as they keep pushing and accelerating, what they're doing is they're accelerating the awakening because people get to see the, the great revelations, right? We're in the time of revelations, the great revealing. They keep seeing the more these guys push, the more they reveal mm. and the more people start waking up. And uh, that's what I, I really love doing, man, is helping people, helping light bulbs go off for people. You know, yeah. we, we just did the Health Freedom for Humanity Symposium in, uh, in Kansas City and no one there, I was the only one talking about law other than Jeff Weitzman, but as deeply as I was talking about it. And, um, you know, you just saw all these light bulbs going off, right? Because the whole thing was mainly doctors and stuff talking about, you know, your right to choose and your, your health yeah. freedom. And then I come in with all this other information. It was just like pineal glands were popping everywhere. So it was even people who are awake start awakening to new levels and you just keep going up, up, up. up oh yeah. Up. There's so I many different levels on that. Uh, is, yeah. My wife and I were supposed to be there, but some things happened and we had to cancel our trip, but uh, it seemed like it was a, a good second day outside on the, on the, in the courtyard and the steps in the plaza. Well, it was. And, and if uh, my friend and I weren't there, that whole thing wouldn't happen because they tried to shut them down the night before. Um, they served them a notice saying, you guys are in breach of the ordinance. We're going to shut your organization down here. And, but, but, you know, you got to keep in mind, they had a contract with the public, with the civic center. Well, that's a public organization. So naturally they're going to come in and try to tell you, you have to follow the ordinance. So the, um, you know, the, the heads of Health Freedom for Humanity, the president and, and uh, Alex Zek came in. They're like, oh, man, you know, what are we going to do, Rob? What are we going to do? Like, Give me this stuff. So me and my friend worked on a bunch of notices and everything. We served the city attorney. And, um, you know, by morning, they, they didn't even read our notice, which was fine. But what they did was they canceled our event, right? So me and my, my best friend, my attorney friend, we had wrote all these notices and everything. We got, got on the phone with them and then we made them actually read them. And then the whole thing changed. It was like, oh, how can we accommodate you? You know? And it was like, well, we're going across the street. And my friend, Jude, he was on the phone with the police, the fire department, city council, city attorney, making sure nobody's going to touch us. So without that, they would have just, we, they just said, sorry, you guys got to go, you know? So he was keeping them all at bay and made sure we're not, we're in compliance, right? Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. Stay away. And the event went off. Well, man. Cause that's great. what I was wondering when I saw people doing updates on Instagram or whatever, I was like, how are they being allowed to just all, everyone just be sitting on the ground outside you know, doing this thing after I supposedly at the time, I didn't really know what was going on. They, they were kicked out of the civic center. So it's interesting to, to hear that play by play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we worked for hours that night, man. We, we, you know, the symposium was still going on inside and we worked for about five or six hours putting all that stuff together. And then we were up early the next morning on the phone, you know, dealing with all that. And Jude and I held the whole thing down. Um, it was great, man. It, it turned out beautiful. Like most of the stuff posted on, on the internet about it was all about that second day, you know, cause yeah. it was just such an awesome, it was like, it was set up for us, man. Yeah. It was incredible. And I'll never forget, like once I got done speaking, which was, uh, like nine 30, 10 o'clock in the morning was when I was speaking, 
And I got done and I went up to my hotel room, which was just happened to be on the 22nd floor. And I looked out over the field and I see across the field, there's a Catholic church behind the civic center that you can't see from ground level. And I noticed this flag was flying and I looked at it and I was like, that's the Vatican flag. I've never seen the Vatican flag flying here. Not that it doesn't, but in my, you know, because I'm very aware of the Vatican and how they function and I've had run-ins with them. So I get it. But I was like, that's a very interesting sign. I looked out this window for three days and just now saw it. You know, I was like, this is interesting. There was some major, major energy going on there, man. It was amazing. It was yeah. really cool. Can you, can you, cause I hear about it often around the Vatican. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the role the Vatican plays in this entire structure? Yeah. So they, uh, they of course created the gates to, to heaven, right? They of course created all this crap. Well, a lot of this crap, um, you know, the whole idea of damnation and hell and all, which is all just garbage. It's an illusion. Um, and they are in cahoots with obviously the, the queen, um, city of London, the banking cabal and uh the united states so but they they really hold the wealth right they're really holding it all and they get you know 40 percent uh or so, sorry 60 percent of our 17.4 million when we die and the queen takes uh the other 40 percent okay and then this is all divided up between these guys so they they have a, a big stake in everything and it's a spiritual stake they want to keep everybody you know they, they want the birth certificate comes the idea comes from them you know the baptismal certificate the um the pauper certificate if you research these in history you'll find out oh this model's already been used so they're very very much involved and it's interesting, like one of the things you'll see is if you order, it's called a Numident report on your um, your social security account. It's called a Numident. And if you order that, okay, they will send it to you with a seal on it. And it's only like two pages. It's not very long. And it's got two rivets in the top left corner and a red ribbon that comes down with, it, with a seal on it, right? Now, if you know anything about rivets in paper, you could have one rivet hold 20 pieces of paper together. Why is there two side by side? And then that's when it was shown to me, oh, that's why, because that's the snake bite, right? That's the serpent and the blood that comes down out of it. So the social security account is really the mark of the beast. And now what they're doing with this new mark, of course, is they're just making that, they're just speeding that up, making it easier for them to, to count their cattle for the most part. So the Vatican's very heavy into all this. And um, I believe though, that, that just like anything, there's a dark and a light side that there is a light side to the Vatican and some of those people have defected. And again, we know that, you know, our team deals with somebody uh, from the Vatican that's a former Vatican banker and attorney. So yeah, we know, we know they're very heavily involved. Oh man. Yeah, um, pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, it's just wild, dude. Just when I think about all the different rabbit holes to go down, all the knowledge, all the information, how do you take this information and how do you stay somewhat objective? Cause you know, you want to be able to, to investigate and analyze to the best of your ability, you know, and you have different people saying different things. And so it can be a little overwhelming. So I understand for the average person, you know, especially when they're like, I got kids, I got a job, I got this, I got that. Like, I, I, got, I don't have time to fucking read all the code or all the articles of this XYZ thing. You know what I mean? So it can yep. be a little tricky. So, you know, having people who love doing it and love going down these rabbit holes and being able to include people and invite them in and to, to share this knowledge is so, so important. The other thing I want to ask, because it's this is something that you hear in all the conspiracy circles, is the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. 
what can you say about the Federal Reserve? Like, what are some myths? A lot. What are some truths? <laughs> Um, well, let's just talk about the truth of the matter. The truth okay. of the matter is, yes, that is where your account is held, right? So your social security card, if you take that, you look on the back, there's a series of numbers with a letter. Take that letter and then look up Federal Reserve, uh, you know, uh, designation letters. I forget how it was actually uh, easy to look up, but I just look up, you know, Federal Reserve letter G or whatever. And it'll show you which bank that is because there's 12 of them, there's 12 letters. So that is where your account, your social security and all, that's where that account is held. All right. So the Federal Reserve is, I mean, they are the, the middle point of all of this uh, funneling all this wealth from our accounts into the Federal Reserve, okay, through the Federal Reserve. So what I discovered just by reading, you know, the thing is, is I go on these websites and I read what, what they're writing. But I can read them from a different lens, because when I read these things, I think about, you know, oh, well, what accounts are we talking about? You know, so I went on Social Security Administration. I, I found this PDF from an economist that wrote this whole PDF about how they take um, the Social Security money that that the government, you know, the, the little pennies they put in there. And they take this amount, if you will, and they invest it and then they trade on it. And they make more and more and more. And then when you're old and decrepit and ready for retirement, then they put back the amount that you paid in. Meanwhile, they've made millions and millions and millions off of uh, your entire life off of this uh, account. So the Federal Reserve plays an important role in intermediary uh, securities intermediary that way. So and that's another um, good term to look up securities intermediary, you know, uniform commercial code is really important because it tells you how all this stuff is functioning. Now, a lot of people try to use uniform commercial code in other countries. I don't, I don't particularly advocate that because not that you can't, I just don't, it doesn't add up to me because uniform commercial code is a um, federal, Washington DC federal code. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's for other countries unless you're trading with someone in the United States and it's for like shipping and things like that. So if a company ships goods and stuff over, they want to protect it. They want to put a lien on it. You know, uh, they can use bills of lading and all that stuff as instruments. That's all in the uniform commercial code. So if you're from another country, you can do that when you're dealing with somebody from the United States. But other people claim that they use a uniform commercial code in different countries and it works. Maybe it does. Um, but it is a, an extremely powerful body of law to read and understand that they have codified, put it in code, what the real equity law actually is. So that's why it's so important for that particular body of law, because equity law is very, very important when you're dealing with securities and instruments and things like that, which is what the birth certificate's all about. So so when, when we hear like, um, I guess you've got the Jordan Maxwells and stuff like that, speaking of maritime law, um, and you mean the shipping and the birth certificates and the crossing the bar, et cetera. How does that play into to your research, the whole maritime law side of things and the, and the language that's used in that regard? Yeah, it's all relevant. Yes, absolutely. Yep, it is definitely happening, but it's all underlying. So you really have to look into these law structures and understand how they work and then also understand how they veiled them because that's the hard part, right? Seeing through the veil to actually see where it exists. Um, I apologize. I'm getting sunlight in here. Yeah, that's all right. Well, my eyes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's all relevant. All the Jordan Maxwell stuff, the maritime law, all of that is, is really, really pertinent. 
Yeah. 100%. Yep. Yep. It's. Can you guys give me one second? I'm just going to yeah, go for it. Down. Go, go for it. One go for sec. It. Sorry, y'all. No worries, man. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it just simply from, from the layman's perspective, it just seems so complex to try and grasp all these different avenues to figure out what is underlying, um, what is underlying all of this, you know? Um, so like for the, for, for the, for the regular person, for the regular individual, how can they use this information to benefit themselves on, 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 on a basic level, you know? That's a good question. So you know, there are things you can do right today. You don't have to do any paperwork or anything like that. It's understanding that that name that you're using is, has been taken from you and it has been, it's government property now. So anytime you use that name, right? First, middle, last, first, last, they have all different spellings for it, uppercase, you know, um, that type of thing that they're not talking to you. They can't talk to you because they can only talk to the entity and the organization, which is an agency of their government. So your name became an agency of the government so that they can do the maritime business thing because they can't do that with you, the living man with with your real name, which is why I go by Robert Michael. Um, So how people can do uh, start to protect themselves is really read whatever mail you're getting, read whatever communications you're getting, read these mandates and stuff like they don't apply to you. They only apply to this person. So yes, it's complex, but the basics are stop agreeing to be the property. Get rid of your name. You know, no, I'm not that name. So people go, well, how do I travel? How do I? And yes, there is a lot to that, right? To, to really be able to move about freely without being hassled which is going to take some time before we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so really try to disassociate from the name. Here's a, here's a really good thing that people can do. Stop giving information to anyone. You get pulled over, you don't have to give any information. All you have to do is say, am I under arrest? Am I free to go? No, no. Okay, then I'm not giving you any information because I have a right to remain silent without my counsel. And you have to say it that way. You have to say without counsel, you know, because... You just told me I'm not free to go and I'm not under arrest, but yet I'm not moving. So I'm under a sort of a custodial arrest and this is an investigation. Is this an investigation? No, then you shouldn't be asking me any questions. And I actually had an officer tell me on the phone because I purposely got myself arrested in June because I wanted to, you know, play this game with them and see, not really play the game, but I'm going to come at them from a commercial side. And they're going to come at me thinking that they're applying the law and they have no idea what the law is, right? They think they're in this, you know, police type law structure. And I'm like, no, 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 we're in commercial law. We're just talking contract here. I'm not going to give you any information. So I said, you better get your superior on the phone. Cause you know, there's five goons outside my window. My girlfriend and I, they're trying to break the window. And I said, well, before you break that window, you might want to call your superior, you know? And I just kept talking to him very kindly. Look, I wouldn't do that. I'm telling you, I wouldn't do that. You know, call your superiors. They call the superior superiors on the phone. I want you to call him. Here's his numbers. So I call him, you know, start talking to him. He goes, look, uh, I finally got him to admit, and we have it recorded where he says, okay, really, honestly, at a bare minimum, we need your name, birth date, and address, because we just need to look up if you're a criminal or not. I said, so you don't need a license? No, we don't need that. We just need your name, your birth date, or your, yeah, your name, your birth date, and your address. Okay, great. 
well, of course, I wasn't giving them that either because they wanted to link that to my to my hidden account and I wasn't going to allow that to happen. But technically, I could have gave them that. They could have went back to their car, said, okay, you're, you're free to go. You're not a criminal. Here's a ticket, whatever. And normally, I do handle it that way. I take the tickets and then I accept them for value, which is a commercial process. Um, and then I return them to them paid, right? So what I'm saying is when you accept a commercial contract for value when there really isn't a contract there. The officer's handing me a contract with this ticket. If I accept that and I place a value on it and I return it to them and I write without recourse above my signature, I mean, there's specific language, then they have to pay that. The issuer of that instrument has to pay it. But if I accept it and I don't return it for value, then I have to pay it. It's just this hot potato game. Yeah. So normally that's all I do with tickets. But this one particular time, I was like, no, we're going to take this to another level because we're going to eventually get this into federal court. And I'm going to show how much money they've made off of this one stinking little traffic ticket and that they're all going to be responsible for paying taxes on it. And they're not going to like that. Not to mention, I can yank every one of their jobs. So I took it to another level just, just to try that. But stop giving information. There is no law on this planet that says your private information is mandatory to give to anyone. Stop doing it. You know, I have a right to remain silent. CPS knocks on the door. I'm sorry. Who are you? Uh, I don't know you. Have a nice day. Get off my property. You got a warrant? Nope. Get off my property. Shut the door. You don't owe them a name. You don't owe them anything. The first thing people start doing is, well, you know, I, my kids are, you know, in school or they're this and they're that. And you just, you just hung yourself because they're going to take every piece of information that you gave them. They're going to flip it around. They're going to find where they can charge you with the information so they can charge your hidden $17.4 million account and make money off of it. That's all they're doing with these charges. So stop giving information. Super important. That's so the golden rule. This, this $17.4 million, like obviously this is from your experience, strictly applicable to the United States. Um, um, I believe it's across the board. It's anybody with a birth certificate. One, because what they do is they put a value on you for your, um, and it, granted, it may be different just because of the currency, you know, differences. But yeah, when you're born, they, they estimate you at, uh, I think it's 20 years of labor. Okay. And then that gets multiplied by another number to where they reach this, this 17.4 million. So they had to do that in order for the governments to be able to get loans from the bank because they had nothing left to mortgage off because the bank had taken all their gold and silver for giving them loans prior to this. And then once 1933 came and it's different in each country, it was around the same time, um, they foreclosed. And then they said, well, the, the government said, well, we don't, we don't have any money. How are we going to operate? Oh, we'll give you a loan. You just need to mortgage off something else. Labor, land. So they mortgaged off our labor and our land, essentially all under an illusion too which is even better yeah well that was my next question is where where is it generated from like where, where does it you mean where does it where does it come from um right smoke and know. mirrors where it comes from is our belief and that's why it's so important that people are waking up they're not believing this crap anymore <laughs> because just that belief alone and changing that belief is, is switching everything over what we're what we're doing with house and marcus and other organizations is we're coming in on the private side, we're going to fix the secular physical part of that, right? But mm -hmm. you really have to overcome <clears throat> the um, belief system part. 
you have to overcome the brainwashing, right? And a lot of us are like a lot of us are on that level now. So now Mm -hmm. it's going to shift into this year is going to get, you know, even crazier. And eventually people are going to go, okay, what is the process? And that's what we're working on now is to streamline that. And how do we streamline it? How do we get thousands and thousands of people turned around so that we can pretty much just let the old system die and create the new ones, you know, and that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah. So how does, how does the new system look for you? To me, the new system looks like it is separate from the old system. Uh, right now, I see a lot of people really grasping to hold on to that old system. You know, how do I, you know, do we have a document? My job wants to mandate vaccines. The school wants to mandate vaccines. Do we have a document? Well, what to me, what you're saying is I really want to hold on to that old world. I hmm. want that school. I want that job when it's never served you. It's only enslaved you and made you more of a slave. So to me, that's God or the creator, the universe saying, no, 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 you're supposed to create something new that's private with your community that the government has no business in. So your kids have a real private school so that you are compensated for your labor for doing good for the community rather than some dude sitting up in some office you'll never meet collecting all the money off of you. You know, so those new systems begin with that very grassroots private um membership type of thing and we all start working as private communities and the key to that is the government only regulates what is public so if we are out of the public they have no jurisdiction in what is private they don't have any jurisdiction over private property but they've taken all the property so when we flip the script and we make sure that that private property is protected in things like private trusts common law trusts and things like that we're building these new systems in the background and eventually they're going to start to grow and grow and grow to where the old system now just looks like some crazy nut house which is really Really looking like already yeah. you know where people are dying and it eventually dies off and the new systems just take over to be holistic caring you know loving all that and those people that don't want that world they want to hold on to that you know and they can't let go well they're just going to go down with it they're going to go down with the old world yeah you know that's how it looks like to me anyway you know you give i like when you give specific examples even when you're talking about how when you uh, got yourself arrested on purpose but something that i think a lot of people are dealing with depending on where they live especially in california is like there's mask mandates everywhere so like what is even your recommendation on that like you go into a place some person who doesn't know anything is like well store policy is you have to wear the mask like That's what's right. your recommendation and how you, a person would deal with that just some, the simple thing of like i'm not gonna wear a mask as i'm going into the store so anything I'm about to say is nothing more than a Band-Aid because there's no real solution for that, okay? Gotcha. Because, and I'll tell you why, because these organizations are registered as LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, you know, uh, 501C3s. These are all government-regulated organizations. So yes, they're going to push you out of the store. Yes, they're going to tell you you need it. Now, you can fight back as a Band-Aid and you could say, now, wait a minute, you're a public accommodation and you can just Google, you know, yeah. um, federal law public accommodation in any country and look up what that entails it's pretty much everything right that you would need you're a public accommodation you can't discriminate against me for my religious beliefs now people get into their religious beliefs um and they they try to use the bible and say well my body is my temple and god made the temple pure i don't go that route i say 
I have 100% faith in God, that if I am supposed to get sick, that is what God intended, that if I am supposed to be healed and protected, that is what God has intended. And if you make me wear a mask, you are ruining my faith and trust in the creator. And that is against my religious practice. But let's, let's talk real now. There's a thing called, um, uh, it, it's called law in action. So just because we're saying public accommodation, federal rule, this, this, that, and the other, you got to back off. A minute ago, uh, just like you said, you know, what about the person in the store that's enforcing this? That's called law and action. They don't know any of that. They're ignorant. They're clueless. They're going to, and then they're going to call the police officer who's ignorant and clueless. And then it's going to get worse, right? So again, it's almost like no matter what we do, we're being forced to create other means to get out of the cities, you know, and I know that's hard. A lot of people are like, what am I supposed to do with my life? But maybe that's your spiritual wake up call to say, stop being afraid, do something adventurous, get out there, get away, get away, get away, get away. Because if you read the Bible, which to me is the playbook for earth, they just rewrote it so that they could have their business plan for earth, but they tell you what they're going to do. Come out of her, my people come out of the cities, go to the, you know, the, the farmlands and things, create a new life. Because all these years of government, when they started doing this, that's what people did. They left and they went out and they started new communities and things like that. It's no different this time, other than, you know, I don't think they're going to destroy the entire earth this time, like they did, you know, uh, pre-Rome and all that. But so there really isn't, I mean, we offer some documents on our website for like, work and stuff like that, uh, that people can donate for. Uh, but to me, it's just a band-aid because they're going to take the jobs from you. They're going to follow through with their agenda, which is to crash the system and force you to change your life. They're yeah. going to force you to change your life. And if you don't want to change, you're just going to go down with the ship. So that's, and I know that's hard for people to hear and, and handle, but I don't see any other way, man, honestly. That's you know. the truth, man. That, that's, that's the truth. That's something that I've been echoing um, this entire period as well. Babylon is collapsing under the weight of itself and you're given a window of opportunity now and a choice to step into something deeper and more aligned and more authentic than ever before. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess our ties and our entanglements to our externally identified structures of self, which are entangled with the system are either going to, they're, they're crumbling anyway, but it's just a matter mm -hmm. of whether you're going to hold on or not, you know? Um, Absolutely. And the people that are going to hold on are those that are still tied to the, the, the bread and circus of Babylon, who still need these, you mean, who, who still need what they're offering. Um, but for those who are willing to meet, meet at the crossroads, there, there, there's, there's an option that, that's given to most people where it's like, okay, I can, I can choose to walk another path now. And I mean, really, it's such a, it's such a massive blessing in disguise. I mean, I know it's such a cataclysmic event. I know it's terrible what's taking place on the on, on the outset but without this we just would have been cruising along in the same old ship right and without ever questioning things without ever looking that little bit deeper as to the metaphysical and, and the macrosmic side of, 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 all, all of, of all of this and what's happening and we wouldn't really have been given the choice to be like i can radically change my life where i can live a life of such a deeper fulfillment more aligned with who I am as, as a unique individual. And this is just something that I, I will continue to echo. And I really implore everyone to really feel deeper into what's happening right now and make those choices because the soil truly is fertile for, for that at this point in time. 
I agree 100%, man. I mean, and doesn't it go true with the fact, you know, you hear people say all the time, you're a powerful creator, you're a powerful creator. Well, you're being forced to create. Yeah. And exactly what you just said a minute ago was how I opened up in, in the symposium. You know, I said, bless this COVID thing, you know, love it because it woke you up. Just like you said before this, you were just cruising along, eyes closed. And it wasn't until they did this to you that you woke up. So it's a blessing. So yeah. I agree with you, man, 100%. Very nicely put. Awesome, man. Um, before we end the first half here for our public, I want to bring in a little bit of your terascopic numerology, which is actually linked to um, the ancient Egyptian astrological calendar, where they charted 36 smaller constellations, which are linked to the 36 cards of the minor arcana of the tarot, which is also ancient in, in antiquity and tens of thousands of years old. So you, like me, we, we share the, numer the numerology of seven. And this will come no surprise to those who understand seven. Seven's all about research, perfection, specialization, individuality, exploration, experiment. Um, and it's, all, it's, it's the number of the mystic, right? Seven also comes up in all the esoteric circles. But more specifically, your specific card of the minor arcana of the tarot is the seven of wands. Wands obviously representing fire as you were born under the conventional house of Leo. But the seven of wands tells us more and echoes really everything that you're doing right now. For those who know the seven of wands, it's all about holding our ground, standing up against resistance, defending our position, defending beliefs, taking on the challenge, delivering a challenge, fighting for others, rightness, morality, virtue, heroism. So again, man, absolutely no coincidences whatsoever that you are now embodying, obviously, these traits more so than ever as to what, in my opinion, you actually came here to embody these are attributes that you chose um to to play out during this experience um so i just wanted to leave you with that one. Oh, thank you that's huge man i totally get it i'm a big fan yeah. and uh you're absolutely right and and i think you know it would benefit more people if they were to look into that and look into their charts you know in, in all different modalities really oh, because yeah. they all line up and they help you really understand you know what your purpose is and it's it's funny because as I woke up, I, I was actually also spiritually waking up, not just carnally with this knowledge. Yeah. And I was waking up to who I really am, who I've been, who I'm going to be, you know, all these different things. And uh, it's beautiful, man. That's great. Yeah, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate nah, that. You're welcome. And let, 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 let's explore the spiritual side a bit deeper on the second half with our members. Um, is there anything that you want to leave our public with before we go here in terms of how they can access you? Um, well, yeah, you can definitely go to House of Marcus. It's a private membership site, so you have to enroll to be a member. And what we're doing there is, yes, behind the scenes, we are um, creating processes and stuff that we're going to be implementing. Right now, we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. We have a new website coming online. That The one we have now is kind of a pain in the butt to use because I built it and I'm not a web designer. <laughs> so it's like got quirks about it. But our new site built by an engineer is beautiful. It's phenomenal. It's going to have amazing features on it. And we're just going to be charging a, a flat you know donation monthly and everything behind the wall with the exception of a few um process documents will have a fee to it you know another donation but other than that all the videos everything that i teach and i was all going to be you just go on there and watch it and do your thing um so that's at houseofmarcus.org we have two website addresses believe it or not privateestatetrust.org and houseofmarcus.org they both point to the same place so you can go there if you have a question you can put a ticket in if you become a member i'll do like weekly webinars where i do q a so i have 
people send in questions and then I, I sit for an hour and I answer everybody's questions and things like that. So right now, that's how you can get a hold of me. And uh, we're also doing some seminars. We'll be announcing those too. If you become a member, you're on the mailing list, the seminars will be announced. We've got six in the pipeline, three on the East Coast, three on the West Coast. Uh, those are also teaching seminars about steps you can take to actually start unwinding this debtor situation. You know, again, all behind the private wall. Amazing. Um, guys, if, if you feel inclined, go check um, House of Marcus out. And to our members, we'll see you on the other side to continue this conversation with Robert Michael. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. To our members, to our Patreon community, welcome to the second half of this episode with Robert Michael. Hope you guys have been enjoying the first half. Um, Robert, I want to begin this one just in asking you, what's your background from a spiritual perspective, from an esoteric perspective? What have you, what have you dabbled in? What is your overall philosophy as to the greatest conspiracy of all, which is this reality, which we all find ourselves in right now? Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I'm recovering Catholic. So, you know, my parents started me with Catholicism and, uh, you know, up until, and, and I, I mean, my parents got us out of Catholic school when I was in the seventh grade, you know, um, but I never resonated with it. You know, it was always like, oh, there's just this icky feeling, you know, this is, oh, you're being bad, you know, so um, recovering really... Jehovah's Witness here, man. So I hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I just kind of after that, I kind of cruised through life just being like water, just saying, Hey, whatever happens, happens. I'm cool. I don't have to, you know, I, yeah. I let things roll off my back. So I naturally have that very flowing ability. And then once I started waking up to this stuff and my sister started meditating, she started getting, uh, her psychic ability really started to happen. And, and she started touching, uh, getting in touch with my guides. And, and I also knew like my mom, um, once she left Catholicism was on a search for spirituality. So she started looking into, you know, what was called new age at the time, all these different, you know, the tarot and all these different modalities um, and seeing psychics and stuff and getting readings. And, you know, she got really good with her own intuition and figuring out who's actually uh, pretty accurate in what they're telling you and who is kind of not really functioning according to the light uh, codes, so to speak. So, um, so I always just had this in the back of my mind that, oh yeah, I believe it all. I'm not going to not believe it. How do I know? Right. So once I started waking up to all the law stuff, my sister and I really got into uh, reading and channeling and, you know, um, meditation and all that stuff. And it just kind of came natural for me. Like I didn't spend a whole lot of time because most of my time was devoted towards research in the law and everything. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time researching specific modalities and how they actually work. I just kind of naturally flowed with them, you yeah. know, and naturally started embodying these principles. And what was interesting is as I went through life, people would come to me and they're like, oh man, I love the way that you, you know, put these principles of, you know, Buddhism out there and Christianity and this, and that. And I'm like, well, I never studied any of it. I just, it's just what I do. So I started to realize actually one book that my sister, she was walking in the, in the bookstore and she heard the voice and it said, that's, give him that book, right? So she said, oh, she came, she goes, just telling you, I was told to give it to you. I was like, okay. And it was actually Eckhart Tolle and it was a new earth, right? Yep. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I wasn't into reading that kind of stuff. This was 2012 and I read it and I didn't even finish the last few chapters because I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, this is all about, you know, the mind tries to play this ego game with you where it's actually in control and it's never in control at all. It's, yeah. it's not, you already have a guidance system. So I grasped it real quick and I'll never forget talking to my girlfriend and, and um, 
I t- she was asking me some questions and I said something to her and she goes, well, that's a, she goes, I thought you didn't finish reading that book. I said, well, I didn't finish reading the book. Why? She said, well, because what you just said is right here in the last chapter. And I was like, I don't know. It just, it makes sense to me. So I have this natural knack to kind of be in the flow. Um, And once I realized this is all an illusion, then I just had to realize who am I in this illusion and how powerful can I actually be? Mm. So I, I constantly envision the world that I want to see, the world that I want to be in, the world that I want to create, you know, where things are in harmony, things are in cooperation. There's no fighting. There's no argument. There's no ego there. You know, it's just, you do the best you can for what you enjoy doing. And that light's going to shine brighter than anything. And don't worry about if it's good enough for anybody else or not. It doesn't matter. You're here doing your thing. You create the world, not everybody else and so yeah that's how i envision the entire illusion is like this is a playland this is heaven or it's hell it's your choice what are you going to make it right now people are choosing a lot of people are choosing to make it hell a lot of people are choosing to make it heaven so we want to get more people to choose to make it heaven because it's right here on earth you know so yeah nah here man that's beautiful um and it's really up to the the individual and this is the whole thing that you mean because for so long, there's been so many different collectivist indoctrinations, which have tried to kind of pretty much play the same game that's that, that's being played now and trying mm-hmm. to make us all into a one size fits all kind of model cookie cutters. We all have the same beliefs, have the same ideologies, go to the same schools, work the one of four or five jobs options that are available to us. Um, but when we, when we step back into our individuality, we really do step back and regain and reclaim that creator essence as well of who we are because we're no longer entangled in what the world is trying to tell us to be or how we should think or how we should go about our lives and once we step into our own uniquity we realize that we actually all create in unique ways as well and I don't need to share a philosophy with you I don't need to share a religion with you it's up to me and my experience to determine what is being unlocked within me and how I can best best use these these individual nuances, which I know are innate to me and not innate to you to, to, to live my life. And the things that I enjoy are obviously different to the things that you enjoy. And so the path begins to carve itself as we begin to dive deeper into ourselves and develop self-knowledge. Um, and we become, we realize that we're actually all living, walking, breathing zodiacs and universes unto ourselves. We're all individual cosmoses um, on, on some level. And we be, we can really then begin to own our power and create from that aspect of owning our individuality as opposed to everyone stuck in this savior-like program still where it's like someone else give me the answer, someone else tell me what life is, someone else tell me how to navigate COVID-1984. But really what this whole thing is telling you is to navigate yourself, become your own shaman, look within, own, own who it is that you are and begin to figure out things on your own, you know? Absolutely, man. Healing those those past traumas and stuff too is super important with all of that because mm. you know if you keep buying into those belief systems and those traumas, you're never going to allow the space to expand. You're already closed off. And I had to go through. I mean, I I came from a rough neighborhood, low income, you know, poor, you know, and I mean, we did some very dishonorable things you know growing up like you know i was always having to fight to defend myself in the neighborhood and you know i mean we just we just did some really hard stuff that as i got older you know into my early 20s 19 20 30 or uh, 21 22 i i started i i left that 
when I left New Jersey and I went to Baltimore when I was 20 and all of it changed because I got to realize that I'm more than this little town. I'm more than what these people think I am. And I actually thought I was stupid. I literally thought, I'm just stupid. My father finished high school. He's a carpenter. I'm a carpenter. That's all I'm going to be is a carpenter and musician. And it wasn't until I took bass lessons from a jazz teacher and, and he told me how quickly I, I learned jazz theory was unlike anything he had ever seen. And that's the first time it sparked in me that, wow, dude, you're not stupid. Like you figured out something that his college students can't figure out and you're a high school dropout, you know? And it was, so that one lesson linked to the next one and the next one and the next one. And I kept healing all these traumas by disbelieving who I thought I was. So yeah, it's super important to let go of those belief systems because your story is not who you really are, you know, or certain aspects of your story or who you are. You choose, you know, don't let the world determine that. I mean, that's the big thing about the hero's journey. You know, it's like one of the first books I read was Siddhartha, you know, and you have this, you have this person who's like living this royal glamorous, you know, life. And he's like, well, this isn't the path for me. This isn't, I'm going to go outside the Royal palace. and I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to discover who I am. I'm going to go through these trials and tribulations. And, you know, like what you said before, like my life has taken so many different terms, different turns because like one choice led to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And I just having that, that inner curiosity to keep growing and to keep learning and then to be able to be open to having those little mentors that pop up across the way, you know, like if that jazz teacher didn't say those things, you know, or if you didn't hear them in a certain way, you know, what, what path would you have taken? So I just think it's important for people to, to be able to be open to when these, these people come into our lives, you know, not to be like, oh, you've taught me this, I'm going to bow down and you are my guru. You're my leader. I'm going to do everything you say, but just to be like, to grab those little nuggets that allow you to just have a shine a light more on who you're meant to be. Like the seed of consciousness that came in this planet on this planet at this time, you know, it's all the stuff we talk about, about divination and, and human design or all these different systems that shine a light on that as well. And um, I just think it's awesome. It's really cool. You know, when you leave Jersey, you leave the small town and you go, Oh, wow, there's so much more to life than just this small little period of, of my, of time, you know? Yeah. And this little existence, you know, and it's, it's so, so important to just, you know, believe in who you are. And like you said, man, I, I can't agree more. You take those nuggets from the guru, you know, the guru is only showing you things that you need to take for yourself. He may show you things you don't need to take, leave that, take yeah. what you need to take for you. And that's what I would do with all these law guys on the internet. I would take certain things and I would say, no, that other piece doesn't resonate with me because I've researched it and I don't feel I need that, but I do need this piece because that's what resonates with me. So, and it's not a good or bad. It's just stay in your energy and feel, 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 right? Because yeah. if you feel, then you'll feel what's right for you. And, and your, your little in, internal, you know, uh, buzzer goes off. Goes, oh yeah, that's good for me. Oh, that's not so good for me. Yeah. You know? Well, even for spirituality, you know, it's like, I've never, I mean, I grew up Greek, ortho, Greek Orthodox, you know, like Jersey, you know, I went to church all the time. I was an altar boy, but I never felt like so connected to that, you know? And then I mm-hmm. went through my journey growing up of like, oh, I think there was a small period of time. I was like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm agnostic. I don't even know if anything, you know, exists, whatever. But then I never picked one thing and was like, okay, I'm a Buddhist or I'm this or I'm that. It's just, my path has just been taking in knowledge and learning and healing my trauma and like, and, and really getting into the body, 
you know, and connecting to my body, not disassociating from my body. That to me has been a deep spiritual practice of understanding like, wow, I could feel sensation. I understand what's going on in my body moment to moment. You know, I'm not just like this walking head, you know, I'm nourishing my body with the food that matters. You know, I just like that to me is a spirit is my spiritual practice connecting deeper with nature, you know, mm -hmm. connecting with this world here and, and, uh, and feeling the vitality that's just pulsating through me moment to moment. Anyways. That's beautiful, man. That's exactly it. Becoming more and more connected with the natural environment and the natural things. And as you do, and your body starts to vibrate and resonate, you'll, you'll feel what's right and wrong for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll feel that that pizza you're putting in your mouth doesn't feel good. It might taste good, but it doesn't yeah. feel good, you know? Yeah. Um, and I love pizza. So that's, no, that's no, a I get one, it. But... <laughs> of course, you know, I but, mean, but, but we also have to have fun too. Yeah. So don't limit yourself. Oh, I can't touch. No, no, no. That's not true either. You're supposed to enjoy this reality. Because that's the vibration too. It's like, what happened if you just ate that pizza and you were like, yo, I'm with my fucking homies right now. I'm with Robert. I'm with Joel. We're having some pizza. We're great. We're hugging each other. Fuck COVID-19. We're going to hug each other. <laughs> it's all good versus, oh my God, I just ate this thing. I don't feel well. Oh my God, I shouldn't be eating this. My person, my health coach told me not to eat. It's like- you're better off just eating it and loving it than that you know what i mean exactly and you know like again if you if you are truly centered you know that you're not going to continue to eat that you're just enjoying yeah, the moment in exactly. time you know and, and that's, that's how yeah, that's how it is. And and I guess, you know, my whole family's like that, as you can see from my Instagram post with the death of my uncle, you know, like we were partying, man. It was like the first funeral I'd ever been to where I'm like, that was a great funeral. It was yeah. a great funeral. I mean, we partied, man, and we celebrated just the way that he would have wanted to. And yes, I probably drank more than I should have, but you know what? Yeah, I was having a good time <laughs> and I wasn't going to worry about it because I know come the next day, I'm not drinking anymore. Like that's yeah, not yeah. my thing, you know? So, and the way you just described, you know, about hanging out, Hey, the three of us are hanging out, reading pizza and all that's been the way that my seminars have been. And this health freedom for humanity. It's like, when we're together as a group and we're all just flowing, I mean, man, it is such a beautiful community, man. It's so awesome because everybody accepts each other for who they are, differences or not. And we're just there enjoying the moment. You yeah. know, it's been, that's been the most beautiful part of it. Cause yeah. some people said, well, are you going to keep doing these educational seminars? Like, aren't you going to get to a point where you've taught enough or you've taught them? And I said, yeah, but then what I'm going to do is record so many of them different levels and then we're just going to start having community gatherings you know mm -hmm. because that's really the fun of this thing is having the community there you know yeah so. yeah man and there's there's no doubt that one of the 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 biggest aspects of what's being birthed from all this is the the re-emergence of the community you mean we're all being called to go back to the most local level as possible because we've all been like pulled up into this 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 system which is trying to unground us literally it's trying to remove us from 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 the natural world it's trying to pull us into our it's simply mind consciousness where we just simply believe and we're completely ungrounded as to who we are and where we come from so the antidote is as you said coming right back to the community level coming to the most local level as possible in everything that we do and I'm just seeing this so often with those who are choosing the authentic path now. It is, it is a reclamation of the community that's taking place, you know? 
Absolutely. It's funny too, because I found myself um, going into this little new practice of, I stopped shaking hands. Like everybody puts their hands out. I, I'm hugging. Sorry. Yeah. You get a hug for me. I stopped shaking hands. I'm, I'm a hugger, like, man. I'm a hugger. Yeah, so me too. We, I'm like, why am I shaking your hand? Do you give me a if hug? We, if you we know? ever meet in person, we're going to give a big Jersey hug to each other. Right? Oh, hell yeah. Dude, yeah. I've hugged and kissed so many people in the past few months. It's insane. Yeah. You know, and I love it. I'm and like, you're still alive. Yeah, and I didn't get any disease. It's a miracle, <laughs> you know? And I, I agree with you, man. Oh, you were going to say something? Yeah, go ahead, but I'll, I'll remember. Go no, ahead, I was going to say, it's just, it's just incredible. And we talk about this all the time. It's just like, when you stand in your truth, you speak your truth, you vibrate at a certain level, similar people just come into your life. And I've met the most incredible people. Oh, yeah, me too, people man. The last, the last year and a half, two years. Me too. And whole specifically family. over this, yeah, over this last year and a half. I mean, it's been amazing. Yeah. And that's why I said, let's bless this COVID thing, man. It's yeah. been a blessing, you yeah. know. Even, so what I was going to say is, I wanted to tell a little bit about my uncle's passing. Um, you know, my uncle was the closest family member that we had. I mean, he loved us like his own children. We always had fun. He was nuts, man. I mean, the guy was just nuts. No matter where we were, he's the loudest voice in the room other than my other uncle, which was his brother that, that died uh, early as well. But the two of them, man, the stories they would tell would always make you laugh. I mean, they loved you. You knew if they loved you and they knew if you, they didn't like you. You know, they were just straight up. And he went in the hospital about a month and a half ago. And I was like, and he went in for pneumonia and I'm like, son of a bitch. But I knew he wasn't like, he didn't follow what we follow. He didn't like look at COVID. He, he listened to the news basically. Right. And he still wasn't awake yet. My aunt and all. So at first I was, I was pissed. I was like, son of a bitch, you know, you're making this choice. What the hell are you doing, man? Like, wake up, dude, wake up. And um, so we went in the hospital and they, they basically killed him with the protocol. They absolutely killed him with the protocol, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a choice. Could I be mad? You know, and at first I was, I was a little mad. Like, how could he do this? You know, and how could they do this? But I know how, but anyway, so I, I let that go. And the interesting thing was after he passed, you know, my sister being psychic, we all wait whenever somebody passes, we're like, my sister's name's Lori, Lore, you know, what's the message? Cause she'll get a message soon as they get to the point where they've actually crossed over. And she was standing in the shower, just like the day before I went to Jersey for the whole viewing and all. And, um, she was crying. She called me up and she said, you know, he, he came to me and he said, um, people don't realize how bad I struggle with depression. You know, they think I was the life of the party, but I was always the one struggling with depression. I just put on that show because, you know, that's what I did, you know, and we knew that we knew he was struggling with it really bad. And he said, you know, I was dead three days before they took me off. I left three days before they took me off the, the ventilator, he said, and, and, I, I had a choice. He said, I saw my, he's telling my sister this, you know, showing her that I've seen my whole life, you know, past and present. And, you know, and he said, and even in the future, what would have happened if I came back, I would have been brain dead. I would have had, you know, a ton of brain damage from what they did to me. He's like, so I'm making the choice. And I know that my wife is strong enough to handle this. And my, my daughter is strong enough to handle this. And damn, man, that changed the entire mood for me. Cause I was like, wow, you know, he consciously made this choice and stuck to his guns because he always said if i went early and they had me on some sort of machine i don't want to live like that like pull the plug you know and he stuck to his guns and i'm telling you the whole entire ceremony was just there was sorrow especially at the viewing you know it's catholic viewing everybody yeah, comes yeah. in and is, Whoa! everybody's crying of course you're you got to get through that you got to heal 
but after that, when we all met out at the bar that night, we, it was his 60th birthday too. Wow. So we had his birthday. Yeah. Just on that day, man, we had his birthday party and it was a freaking blast. And we danced and we hugged and we loved each other. And we are a family again. We haven't seen each other in forever. And it was a beautiful event, you know? So again, you know, em embodying and embracing these principles of the whole cycle of life and what it's really all about. This is just an illusion and we're here to enjoy it. So enjoy it, you know, create it, make it what it is. Don't buy into, you know, all these years they've been teaching us how to create their world so that they can control it because they're getting us to create it for them. You know, well, that's over. We're done doing that. We don't need to create for them anymore. We create for us, you know, mm -hmm. and them, we bless them because they helped us see that. You know, so that's why I don't get into like fighting and stuff, fighting for your rights and all. I'm like, no, you already have rights. You don't need to fight for them. Doesn't mean you don't defend them. It just means you don't go out there and start, you know, banging on their door, telling them to give them back to you. No, you just block them from being able to step on them is really how I function. I don't, you know, I don't go out there and start raising the flag and knocking on doors and telling them we're going to lynch you in the street. You know, it's none of my business. As long as they leave me alone and I'm, I can continue to do what I do in the private, they can stay over there. But once I give you notice and I tell you, this is the line and you step over it. Now we have a problem and I'm going to defend myself, you know? Mm. So, uh, that's what my mom taught me when I was a kid. Like, she, you know, you don't, you don't beat anybody up. You just defend yourself. You don't start a fight. You finish it. Okay. Sounds mm. good, ma. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> good lesson. I'll take I that with me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had to living in on the street that way because it was like if you didn't defend yourself, you're going to get your ass kicked, and I did many times, you know. But there were times where I defended myself and didn't get my ass kicked. It was, you know, and what's funny is, if I tried to bully somebody, which didn't happen often, but if I tried to be like, you know, the tough guy, I got my ass kicked. I got my ass handed to me. So I quickly learned, well, that's not working for me. <laughs> you know? wow. And it didn't feel good to do that anyway. Like I felt like shit, even as a kid. And it was only like two or three times. I was like, I'm not doing that again. You yeah. know? So yeah. No, for sure, man. Um, I did have a question. It slipped. It slipped my mind. That's all right. Um, but I guess like the overall thing that we're really, I mean, grasping at here is that getting back in touch with how you feel about something because this entire malignant culture and the system is designed to make you respond based on how you think about something and what your mind is telling you. But in intuition, as we've kind of explored here, is about feeling. It's really about connecting back to the body. So really tuning into your decision-making response based on what your, what your body is telling you, which is, which is what you're feeling. You know, and to me, and even in the work that I do with divination, this is how you connect into, this is how you strengthen intuition. This is how you connect back to yourself. And even like with, with healing trauma and moving, th moving um, through our shadow, it's like, we're getting these little cues from the body saying, Hey man, you've left this door open. There's something here you've got to resolve. You're not going to be able to move forward until you actually, you mean, walk through this fire and, and, and kill the illusion that you, you're actually still make believing is is real um and all these things uh little cues that help us to develop intuition and connect to our feelings and to then begin to live our life based on how something makes us feel as opposed to what we think about it you know yeah i think the the key too with that though is like how how much trauma have you worked through because yeah. you know getting it could get a little tricky with like 
well, I feel this, like I, I, I'm going to run away from this or, you know, it's like, well, are, where are you operating from? Are you operating from your trauma? Or are you really operating from that, that deep internal truth? And, and that's up to each person to decide, you know, you have to do that work and reality life will, will pretty much tell you because you'll make a decision and it's either going to be like in alignment and flow or not. And then you have another opportunity to take, to take the lesson that comes from that. You know yeah. I mean? And that's why life is such a beautiful series of lessons. Like I haven't been on social media in a while. I got off Facebook a year, a year and a half ago, something like that. And then just in April, Jeff Weitzman wanted to interview me and it was on Instagram. So I was like, okay, yeah. well, I guess I got to get an Instagram account. So I did. And now, you know, I'm starting to get all these followers and stuff. And the one thing that always used to give me one of the best educations was uh, the people on Facebook. They wanted to argue all the time. Oh, right? Ah. Man, and I used to let it trigger me and I'd get right in there like, I'm going to defend there. myself. Yeah. I posted about vaccines like six, seven years ago and like all day. I'm like, I have to convince this person and yeah. five hours go by and I'm having this <laughs> back and forth on Facebook. I'm like, I got more important things to do. Right, exactly. And it's funny because it just happened for the first time on the Instagram since I've had the account uh, yesterday with this guy. And he's like, you know, he's this, I could tell he's one of these guru guys, you know, and he's long hair and I'm not going to mention his name or anything yeah. on there, but you know, and he's like trying to question me. And I said, look, brother, whatever you believe, that's awesome. Good for you. I don't believe that. Well, I didn't even say, I don't believe that. I'm like, it's all up to you. And you know this, or you should know this the way you present yourself, you're presenting yourself. Like you do know this. And I mean, this guy was so triggered. He, you know, he just threw up all over his next response and I'm going, dude, you know, and then he showed his true colors. You didn't answer my DM. And now you charge people to come into your website and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, dude, did you really just say that? Because I didn't answer your direct message. Like what makes you think, Hey, I'm obligated and B, I have the time to do that. Yeah. And then I, I had to go back through, you know, my message requests and I found it and I was like, Oh yeah. Back in August. And he's like, I need, I need help with a court case I got coming up and very, you know, can you help me? And I feel like you're the guy to do it. And I'm thinking, dude, you're preaching this one thing, but you're coming to me. Like I'm a savior that yeah. I have this, these keys to save you. And that's, I don't play that savior role, man. Sorry. It's not me. And now you're going to attack me because I'm not responding I'm not fulfilling your expectation. And that was one of the things that he said, I'm so disappointed in your attitude and this and that and the other. And I was like, I said, well, honestly, brother, no offense, but from what I'm hearing, you had an expectation. I didn't meet it. So you disappointed yourself because I am who I am. I didn't set out to disappoint you. But the right? projection so, he created of you disappointed himself. <laughs> yeah. And it was a very... For me, it was a calm response. And I'm like, yeah. and then I obviously I stopped responding to him. Then he just threw up all over with like 15 messages like this long, you know. Yes, yeah, it's it's so interesting with online, you know, especially when you get to a certain place and you're you have a certain like following and you're giving out all this information, and then certain people feel entitled to like everything you have and everything you give, like like, oh well, you charge for this, but you should give it to me for free. And it's like I'm I'm sharing this, like. I'm telling you where to look or things to read or, and like giving you the shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so interesting with people, you know, again, we're dealing with human beings. We're dealing with people who maybe haven't done a certain level of work to heal their trauma. And it's just like, so triggered to just like vomit all over you because you didn't respond to a DM. Like your whole life revolves around making sure that you check that little button in the top right of like, you have 18 requests (laughs) And the people you don't follow and you must answer all of them. It's just, a, it's, I don't know. I just think it's, 
it is but it was a good lesson for me because i was like okay you know this is my time i get to practice being calm yeah. you know giving this guy a neutral loving response without attacking him or defending myself or even feeling the need to and you know that that burning was there to do that but i was like oh, no 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 jersey no, bro your jersey that burning's always going to be there you exactly know I mean? <laughs> totally it was like i just wanted to reach through and you know but i was like no 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 i don't need to do that i mean you know i'm learning how to walk that and it was it was really good it was it was a great lesson and and i felt good about it and um you know i just say hey, peace be with you brother I, you know i'll pray for you man you know it's yeah. all good and of course he that just set him off <laughs> it's like well there you go so you know being that mirror for people i think is really it's an honor you know um yeah. he'll never see it that way and that's okay you know we don't we don't have to please everybody that's not no. why we're here you no, know we're here to provide and, and, and do, you know, service the best that we see fit. And yes, our knowledge, it took us years to get to this point. We're offering that to you. Yes, we do deserve to be equally compensated in some way for helping you along your journey. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's an energy exchange. And yeah, if there's, yeah. if there's nothing to exchange, but, but money right now, then that's fine. That's what we use, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, there Oh, oh, all that is, is is trauma responses as well. Like excessive altruism is, is a trauma response. Paper blazing is a trauma response. And like is this is stuff that I had to work through early on when I began to um to begin began charging money for for my services and my knowledge and my offers, you know. It was like I had, I had to work through the oh fucking feeling funny about taking money kind of thing. But you realize that that's just a reflection of your own trauma and stuff that yep. you haven't dealt with, you know, and then once you once you become censored and, and more certain and, and you work through that, you'd realize that it's just that necessary exchange and that, that there's no problem with it. Um, but there isn't. That's, that's the whole thing, man. You, you use your entire experience, use the entire world, use every conversation, everything that happens as the mirror of, of what's going on inside you. And the right. journey is just balancing, looking within, looking without, you may making those adjustments, seeing where you're at. And it's really such a holistic experience, but you know what I mean? We, we get stuck sometimes. Well, the majority of people just seeing things from the material and the physical level and never really tapping under what's, what is the causation or what's underlying the, 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 the sparks that they're witnessing in their, in their real life, you know? Um, then we're, you realize where you're, where you're involved in that and where you're accountable in everything that's happening. And it's like, shit, man, I've got to relook at everything. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, that you just said something, you know, accountable. I mean, responsibility is what I'm saying. Like, we're all being asked to be self-responsible for everything. And when we take responsibility for every interaction, then, you know, we're, we're excelling and we're, we're moving up, right? Just like yesterday, I took responsibility for, uh, you know, how I responded to this guy. That's why I wanted to make sure I was responding correctly. I mean, I have a 15-year-old son, you know, I've had to take a lot of responsibility of things that were very painful that I was not the best father in the world, you know, but I take responsibility for that. And I don't shame myself or guilt myself. And, and if I feel bad, it's because my heart hurts for the way that I was mm -hmm. as to compared to who I am now and the effects that it's had on my son. That's why my heart hurts, but I don't feel shame or guilt for it. I, you know, I don't walk around and go, Oh my gosh, I should have never done that and constantly dwell on it. It's like, okay, I did that. I move forward. And, you know, we've had some, some really healing moments, um, but you're right. Everything is a mirror and then we have to take responsibility that everything out here is really just reflecting everything inside which is the whole universe yeah. you know? it's much, so much more empowering when you look at it that way 
Like mm-hmm. when you really look at it, that like everything I see around me, that my interactions that I'm having, like I'm responsible for, you know, as opposed to no, every, someone else is. So right. even when we make those, those mistakes, you know, which I just pretty much think are opportunities for continued growth and learning. Completely. It's, it's just, it's just more powerful that way, you know, versus being disempowered and being like, oh, I don't have any, I'm not responsible or someone else is responsible. What do I do? Oh, uh, Robert, just tell me what to do. I've, I messaged you six months ago. What, what's going on? I haven't done anything in six months because for six months I've been waiting for your message. Right. And that's what I'm trying to teach people from the law perspective that I don't see some of these other guys out there teaching from the law perspective is, you know, you have to take responsibility. If you're in a court situation, a legal matter, remember you created that for some sort of experience. And Rob is not your savior in that. You know, I may have information that's important for you in that experience, but I am not God and I cannot change that experience for you. And that's what I'm trying to get people to really understand. Don't come running as if we're going to save you. Come running as if you're going to be part of something bigger and you're going to save yourself and you're going to learn certain aspects, whether it's you don't have to learn all this stuff. That's why I'm boiling it down for people. You don't have to do that. You just need to learn what you feel you need to learn to be able to interact with that matrix system in an honorable way so that your experience is much more pleasant than it is negative, right? Because I I feel we all have the ability to make the experience pleasant or negative, you know, whatever the experience is. So we have to choose that. And that's why teaching this is like, look, you've got to be spiritually centered before you go out there and start using all this, this legal stuff. Like I've got some people that, you know, they're, they're pretty prominent people in the freedom movement and all this stuff. And they just want to get out there and carry a flag and show everybody, look what I'm going to do against the government. And I'm like, no, man, no, you're going to, the energy is going to come around full circle. And when it smacks you back, it's not going to feel good. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing it for the glory of yourself. And that's not, that's not the right thing, man. Take responsibility and, you know, be responsible for things that happen to you. And if things aren't happening to you and you feel like you need to go agitate something, just be ready for what's going to come back. <laughs> you know, don't start a fight, finish it. You know, you go start one. And that's the other thing, man. It's like people that start, you know, these fights when they they take on the government with all this stuff, I'm like you're fighting the largest war machine on earth that's been doing this for thousands of years and have perfected the war machine. If you think you're going to win with that, good luck. My prayers are with you. Just don't be disappointed. Very few make that stance happen, you know? Yeah. So I try to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, man. He, Peace is the most powerful thing in the law. It is the most powerful because the way the whole law structure works is on like, like the admiralty law thing, right? The, the military law. It works on war. It works on constant conflict. Court was created as a virtual battlefield so that they didn't have to kill each other with swords. They could do it through words and all this other stuff in the courtroom. So it is a battlefield. And when you read legal treatises and stuff, they will tell you court is a battlefield. However, arbitration which is a private mutual you know working out of the situation is much more peaceful which is why they killed the hippie movement and the peace movement in the 60s because it was seriously powerful because if you're not warring they don't have anything to war with you on they have to create something to war against you with right so peace really is important and it really is powerful that's why they take out all the peaceful leaders because they don't want people catching on that that's where the true power is because 
technically by law, they can't war against you by, by universal law. You know, I didn't create this friction over here and I'm not creating any friction. So for you to bring that on me is like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, that's, that's not how this works, you know? So it's super important. Yeah. It makes me think of the archetype, I guess, of, of a Libra lady scales is obviously representative of, of court and Libra is obviously the peacemaker and, and the, and the balance, you know, and there's obviously no coincidences in how these archetypes become representative of different modalities in our society as well. And there's something to be said about that, I guess. Absolutely. I agree. Totally. Yeah. All right, man. I'm, and any, 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 any final words for our, for our members and our patrons here, anything that you're feeling needs to be said and imbued upon the people listening to this podcast right now? Yeah, absolutely. Just stay in faith, which is trust in all that is that everything is happening as exactly the way it's supposed to mm-hmm. don't buy into fear because that is what they want and how they will win. And that's how you always destroy yourself is through fear and how you get, you know, stress and disease and all that stuff is through fear. So stay out of fear, stay in faith, which means trust in all that is to me. That's my definition of faith, trust in all that is and trust that every situation happening to you is here to make is here to help you grow. So if I could tell everybody one thing, that would be it. And you'll get through it. So, so beautifully said, man. It's again, the no, no coincidences before I jumped on this podcast, I was watching a little YouTube video and this lady was um, talking about how fear and faith are actually the, the primordial polarity as opposed to love and hate and love and hate are actually simply born out of, out of fear and faith. So hearing you echo that now, I'm like, yeah, just science from the universe, bro. Just listening, just paying attention, just doing my thing, sitting here not really knowing what's going on, but realizing that there's everything going on at the same time. It's just a beautiful thing, bro. Um, ah, it's beautiful, man. Robert, thank you for your time. Such a pleasure to meet you and share this dialogue with you, bro. Um, we're going to pop all your show notes, all your, all your, all your information in the show notes for those listening. Um, if you're feeling the call to go, to go check out Robert deeper, please do. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Yeah. Thanks man for coming. Thank on. you. Thank you guys. Thanks man. Smoking mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion Waking up in a time, they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean